you know, people that already have a lot of money, options are a really good vehicle for wealth preservation uh, and maybe a little bit of income over the top of them. Uh, a lot of younger people want to use options for speculation or for wealth creation. Um, that's a totally different approach, but needs to be, um, you know, taught from kind of a ground up level. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelak, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Mark. Mark, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Excellent. So give us a quick overview of who you are and what you love to do. What do you do for work? Uh, all right. Well, my name is Mark Sebastian. Um, I was a option trader for about a decade on the floor. So I got my start in New York on the American Stock Exchange, trading options there, then moved uh, back home to Chicago, where I'm originally from, and traded on the SIBO for another six or seven years there. Uh, then uh, I started my uh, business. I kind of got asked to guest speak at a conference and realized that, uh, you know, there were a lot of people trading options and getting into some of these derivatives. I think we've seen what happened with Robinhood that really didn't know what they were doing and kind of decided, Hey, these people could probably use the help of someone that can look at an option, know what's going on. And so I started my, uh, my business option pit. Awesome. So why particularly options? Well, you know, I it's and this just goes to tell you what of the value of a good professor is at school. Um, I really didn't have any interest in being an option trader until my junior year. Um, toward the end of the year, one of my professors from my first semester walked to me in in the hallway and said, "Mark, I'm starting this uh, derivatives class for seniors. It's going to be really hard, a lot of math, and you're going to love it." And I said. Okay, he said, I want you to take it. I said, all right. So I did. And I absolutely loved it. And that got me interested in in trading options. And here we are today. So uh, for people that are like, Oh, yeah, you know, teachers, they they don't really uh, they, a good teacher can really have a strong effect on your life at really any level, grade school, high school, college just so happened mine was uh, a college professor professor shout out to Dr. Sean Houghton. Nice. That's awesome. I love that. So talk to me about options because I know there are people who know them in depth and there are people that don't have a clue. And I have not seen many people that are kind of in between. <laughs> and well, I am in the don't have a clue category. So feel free to talk about anything. You yeah. Like. Well, it's better to either not have a clue or to know a, a lot. The people that are in between, and there are a lot of them actually, uh, that, are, that know just enough to be dangerous. Those are the people that you heard about with Robinhood that lost their shirt um, when kind of the pandemic boom uh, in uh, in the the overall market collapsed, and when the meme stock collapsed, they didn't really understand what they were doing, what the risk was, and how they could lose their shirt. Those were all the people that kind of knew what they were doing, but maybe didn't. Um, they knew enough about options to know how to buy and sell them. They didn't actually fully understand the, the risk associated with them. And that is how so many people got the shirt handed them uh, trading on, you know, Robinhood or Webull or some of these different uh, trading apps. 
Wow. Okay, so let's just back up the bus for anybody who doesn't know what an sure. option is. Like just fundamentally, what is it? So an option is an insurance contract. Uh, that is what they're intended for. Um, they're not used that way by a lot of individuals, <laughs> but that's the way the big houses use them. Your Goldman's, your Citadel's, your um, Bank of America's, JP Morgan's. They're an insurance contract. And what they allow, if the holder of that contract has the right or the obligation, uh, uh, but not the obligation uh, to buy or sell a security. So if I buy a call option in let's say Apple uh, and Apple goes higher, um, that call option allows me the right to buy Apple at what's called the strike price, the price that I purchased the right to buy for. Um, and a put option, is uh, the opposite of that. If I buy a put option, it grants me the right to sell a security. So what's the insurance value of these? Well, if I'm long a stock, I have a lot of wealth, let's say in a name like Apple, owning a put option gives me downside protection in case what we saw happen in the earlier this year, starting in January, happens in a lot of different names. It gives me insurance. Uh, the alternative, the way a call contract is an insurance contract is and we will see a lot of big company, a lot of big houses do this, especially right before a big sell-off. They'll sell their stock and buy calls. And so what that is allowing me to do is get out of my stock position. And then if I'm wrong and the stock goes up, I own this call option that it allows me to get back in at that strike price. So while people think of them as speculative vehicles, they're actually an insurance vehicle. And in the kind of in the world of stock markets and trades, these are obviously tradable to the public, mm -hmm. just like they would be to, and just like a stock would be. It's just a different kind of commodity, if you will. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So when you're working with people, do you tend to kind of take their portfolio and, um, and work with it yourself? Are you tra training people how to use them? What are your favorite ways of working with people now? Yeah, so I, I do manage a little money on the side uh, in a little hedge fund, but um, that's primarily just for some close friends and confidence. I have a sneaking suspicion that was a little understated. What? <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that that was a little understated. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, primarily what we do is, you know, we walk through people, we work with people trying to figure out what their goals are. Uh, because there are a lot of different ways to use options. Um, you know, people that already have a lot of money, options are a really good vehicle for wealth preservation uh, and maybe a little bit of income over the top of them. Uh, a lot of younger people want to use options for speculation or for wealth creation. Um, that's a totally different approach, but needs to be, um, you know, taught from kind of a ground up level. So we built the program that we use based on the program that I got put through in uh, as a trader. So when I started out as a trader, I got hired into a firm and they made me learn for a good six to six to nine months before they would let me start trading their money. And then they wouldn't put me on a badge for close to for about a year. And I wish people kind of had the same approach. It's amazing how, uh, you know, people will spend hours shopping online trying to save 10 bucks on 
you know, a new pair of shoes or $50 on a, a new golf set of golf clubs or something like that, but they'll start trading options or stock and spend less time learning about them than, you know, reading the instructions on a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese. And so we, when we build work with people, we tell them, okay, you need to start, start from the ground up. And, and we basically took the program that taught me as a market maker and kind of turned it into something that retail traders could use uh, to teach them kind of how the fundamentals of options and then the ways to properly implement those strategies. Um, and to put the edge on your side as a trader, because the retail public does in fact have a huge edge that that they don't use. And that's the, the fact that no one can make them execute a trade. No one can force them to do something they don't wanna do. And what benefit does that have? Um, it, well, the huge benefit is that you can decide when you wanna, when you wanna trade, right? When I'm a market maker or if I'm executing for a customer, I don't really have a choice. Um, I have to take the other side of the order. Uh, the general public can do whatever they want. So they can choose when to get in and out. Um, that is a powerful tool that not enough people use. So in other words, oh, and I'm assuming, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, that if all of a sudden the market dumped, I don't have to sell just because the value went down. I have the option to be able to hold as long as I want to and hope that it goes back up. The, right. There's that. Or, um, you know, you can, if you think the market is going to go down, you can make somebody as a retail trader buy a stock or an option from you. And that is a powerful tool that not enough people use. You know, people get married to stocks or they get married to their portfolio. And you see what happens when that happens. You can fall in love with some of the, the high flyers from 2020. And, you know, we saw people make millions of dollars in GameStop and then refuse to sell and watch their, their what was hundreds of thousands of dollars turn back into nothing. And same thing in crypto. Crypto is driven by greed. And when there's maximum greed, that is when a lot of people want to buy. And that's actually when you want to sell. The time to be buying stocks is when everyone's afraid, which is why in the last couple of weeks I've been telling people, okay, it's time to, time to start buying some of these chip names like AMD and Intel. Not a recommendation. I don't do specific <laughs> recommendations, but I, I'll guide people along, you know, what I'm doing specifically. Well, yeah, it is the fundamental of buy low, sell high that everybody goes, yeah, but when? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what I, a lot of people, they'll say buy low, sell high. I say buy high and sell higher, sell low and buy lower uh, and, and go for that. But, um, you know, when, when your neighbor on this, as long as the people around me have been saying, um, and I know, and I'm not, taking a crack at the general public. But when I'm at a party and I have neighbors asking me when they should buy the stock market, I know it's not time yet. Uh, when I can go to a party <laughs> and no one is asked and, and everyone's and all just talking saying, about that name and it's like, oh, yeah. it's time to get rid of that And when name. they're saying, oh man, I'm never buying again or how low can the stock market go? That is when the time to buy. So pay attention to the psyche of the people around you. 
because the market is very, uh, very driven by psychology. And that is, um, you know, how I see algorithms and, and, and psychology and sentiment are really what drives the market. Very cool. And here, I always thought I just had bad timing. Meanwhile, I thought I had more, uh, (laughs) more in I was more in the in crowd than I thought I was. It's like, no, they're just the masses. It's all good. <laughs> so who do you love to serve and support? Who's your kind of favorite client to work with? You know, um, someone that is, I, I know it's going to be a bad experience for me with the client when the first thing they, they ask is, how is this going to make me money right now? <laughs> um, that's not, that's, that's like, the same question that like my son is asking me when he's asking me what good is math to me and <laughs> I can sit there and try and explain the end game uh, and and they're just not going to get it so if the client that wants to just absorb knowledge that just wants to learn and grow and dive in um, the client that just wants the shortcut the tell me what to do and and when to get in when to get out that that is typically not going to be our best performing client um and and they're going to have a a real maybe not a great experience now we will give people trade guides on specific trades that we like and what our goals are and what our targets are but until the until the client works with us and we're able to really teach them why we're having that approach uh and they we really get that buy-in um you know, all, all they are is just somebody, you know, pushing a button, which d- in the end doesn't doesn't work out well because invariably they they miss us saying, "Hey, we're getting out," or they miss us saying, "Hey, we're getting in," because they have lives and they don't know what to do. And what I really want someone to, to the, when they're done with us, is not just know how to trade out how to trade an option. I want them to know what to exactly what to do. Um, you know, when they have their own thesis or when they have their own ideas, how do they approach them? And that, that's really my target and my goal is I want to turn someone into, into their own trader, not turn someone into me because they're not going to be. <laughs> Clearly you're already taken. Uh, so is there a kind of a psychological difference or a fundamental difference in personality types of people who would typically trade options versus stocks versus Forex? whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say people that are successful traders across the board are able to walk away from the computer and be done with it. Um, that is the number one thing is like this to some people can turn into a video game because it's just a bunch of blinking lights, right? If I showed you my, what my screen looks like, you'd be like, Oh, wow. It's a score at the top of the corner. Just a bunch of blinking lights with a score at the top. Right. Um, Are you trading right now? What? Are you trading right now? Not any, not anymore. But oh. I, it, the bell rings at three fifteen, so I'm done. Uh, but uh, the the trader that that uh, views it as a video game is not going to have a lot of success. That doesn't recognize that there's real dollars involved, and the trader that can't walk away that gets emotionally inv- emotionally invested in the outcome dollars are emotional um but if you're trading and you allow yourself to um get emotional about it or upset with it 
um, mm -hmm. that that is gonna that's gonna doom you because uh, you know we call it being on tilt because it's just like a pinball machine, right? You stop working, you stop being effective, and that can happen to everyday traders just as easily as it can happen to you know anybody else that's that's upset. So you know whether I had a good day or a bad day of trading, um, my kids should have no idea. Um, you know, I don't really get a lot of joy in the wins and I don't really get a lot of pain in the, the losses. And part of the reason I think is that I learned pretty quickly that the pain of losing, if you allow it, is far greater than the joy of winning. And so the only way to, I think, be happy as someone who's trying to make money for a living Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean work to make money. I mean, I'm literally moving money from one place to another to try and make money um, is to be robotic. Right. And so you mentioned just, earlier yeah. that the options have this kind of insurance quality to them. Is that what would attract somebody to trading options versus Forex or stocks? Well, I think that what attracts individual traders is the, the cost associated with options. So um, to my, my six-year-old just got home. Hi, Emmy. So, so <laughs> I love the excitement of when they come home. It's like, yeah. I know, I had a good day. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, we did know that she had a good day. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. So you take a name like Apple, all right? Mm -hmm. If I yep. buy... If I buy a hundred shares of Apple, yep. it's going to cost me and Apple's $141 a share. I mean, do the math on that. You're throwing 14,000 bucks for a hundred shares. Mm -hmm. Apple goes up five, five bucks. You make $500. Your return on capital is, and I'll tell you the exact For those number, of us who don't do math on top of our head, is, is a little, <laughs> your return on capital is a little over three and a half percent. All right now. Here's the alternative. I go to Apple and I buy the December 142 calls. They cost me $4.10. That's $410 if I buy that as opposed to 14,000 bucks. So I buy one of those and Apple goes up uh, that same five bucks. Uh, I'm gonna make approximately 200, about 300 bucks. Nice. So, I, I can make three and a half percent on $14,000, or I can make 75% on $400. That is what draws people to options. And that is well, why, so. and well, and, and that's why it's such a tempt, it's such a siren, right? Right. It's such a temptress. Yeah, you can say that on my shows. It's okay. <laughs> what, a, a temptress, a siren? Yeah, you're you know, like, oh, I don't know if I can say that. I'm, I'm going like, back yeah. to Homer, you know? Um, exactly. And so th that's what makes them so attractive, especially to young people or people who don't have a lot of money, right. but it's, it's worth it. You're going to pay to educate yourself one way or the other. It's either how much you lose in the market or working with someone like me who will educate you how to make money quicker, faster, <laughs> and more of it. And, and that's what it comes down to. It. Nice. And is it as kind of quote unquote risky as futures? Uh, different, but yes, I mean, right. I, I don't consider futures any riskier than stocks, right? Okay. Um, the, 
you know, futures trade 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's actually one of the nice things is you can get out whenever you want. Well, I don't, 23 and a half hours a day for, <laughs> for anybody who wants to correct. Fine. Me, okay? All right. But um, I don't consider the future, futures have a similar leverage to them. Yep. And what I would say is the, one of the things that'll get people in trouble is they don't know how much they're actu actually risking. Um, with stocks, they make you put up the, the, that a certain amount of money, usually about 50% of the, the dollars. Futures, you can get, you can put up a lot less margin, but you can get yourself in huge trouble if things fall apart. Um, with buying and selling options, uh, if you're just buying options, you can't lose more than you spend on the option. Um, right. So in that respect, they're less risky than something like a future. Um, but what get, what clips people on options is that there's a defined duration. So stocks don't expire. Um, those December calls I was talking about, those 142 calls that are for four bucks, um, they have about two and a half weeks and then they go out. And if Apple doesn't get above 142, they're worthless. So that's really where the risk is with, with options. Very cool. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business? What is my favorite part of, of my business? Um, I really enjoy engaging with um, everybody in a, in a big room when I'm talking about what I'm looking at. And so uh, without kind of getting into the minutia, um, I really enjoy interacting with people as people are watching me break down how uh, uh, what I'm seeing, a trade I like, and how I want to execute it and, and get involved. And I really enjoy that interaction where people are asking me questions and I'm able to talk with them and engage and teach. Um, the, the times where I really get a, a teachable moment, someone asks me a really good question and I'm able to spend 15 minutes really breaking down that question or 20 minutes or an hour. Um, I love that. You know, I always like to tell people there's no such thing as stupid questions, only stupid people and stupid people don't ask questions. So <laughs> if you are thinking of a question and this really applies to anything, yep. uh, if you're think if you have a question and you're you're thinking I'm going to sound like an idiot asking this, it's not true. There are ten other people that have the same question. So be brave and ask the question and get it answered. Uh, because if you don't, you're just not going to know what good does that do you? Do you? Who is going to sit there and write mine and say what kind of a dumb question is that? No one. So especially in this environment of online anonymity, uh, you're truly at zero risk, um, you know, I wish I wish people use the anonymity of, of being online more to better themselves and ask good questions rather than <laughs> right? to troll. We would be a much, much happier place. Absolutely, we would. Well, and I do love watching people like you, and I can only imagine, because I, can, I can't see your screen, but I have a very good idea of what your screen looks like. And it always reminds me of a beautiful mind when all I see is like, this jumbled mess of numbers and charts and stuff. And you guys just look at it like, oh, do you see that? <laughs> it's, awesome. it's like, oh, do you see where that's going? I'm like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have a clue what you're looking at, but it's fantastical. Yeah, awesome. being, being an option trader is a lot like, nowadays is a lot like flying a jet. Um, mm -hmm. The computer does a lot of the work for you. You're just moving things and navigating and kind of pushing buttons. 
and you have to understand what's going into it, right? Before a pilot gets on a plane to fly, right? They have to actually go through the education of how the plane works. I would invite anybody who wants to get into options or stocks or futures to do the same thing before they jump involved. Um, it's your- Take your ground school. Your real money, right. Get, <laughs> yeah, go through your ground school. That's right, ground school before you go up in the air. I love that. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories of one of your clients. Uh, all right, I, I can tell you a couple. I, I think my favorite is we had a trader, a, a trader that was a lawyer, and um, he's now a market maker on one of the floors. We taught him. We taught him that well. Uh, wow. I have, I have another trader that was in a very, very bad job situation. She was miserable. Um, she thought she was going to get laid off, and we taught her how to make money to the point where she is basically doesn't need to work. She can just sit home and trade. Um, but she buried herself in it. The success stories are not, I figured it out in a week. The success stories <laughs> are, I spent a year teaching myself and grinding, and now I'm producing real dollars every day. Nice. Well, and I think too, that it becomes important, especially in moments of <laughs> tumultuous economics, as you might say. I mean, I live in a city where we have a, um, a boom and a bust every 10 years. Like that's just the way it goes and we get used to it. And it's like, if you live here, you're like, oh yeah, it's in a boom, it's in a bust. And it's probably not much different than New York and having, you know, bear markets and otherwise. But I think a lot of people that are used to, or they like what to city think- What if you don't mind me asking? What's that? What's, what city what's am I in? I'm in Calgary. Oh, Calgary. Calgary Canada. Yeah, so oh, we're a big nice. oil and gas country yes. for the last, you know, hundred years. and. It's just boom and bust. That's what we do. Um, and I think it's it's important for people that get used to a certain level of complacency, whatever. And then all of a sudden the market does something bizarre and you're like, oh, what just happened to my retirement plan? What just happened to my whatever? And I think it's nice that there's always something like this where there's always going to be people like you that right now people could jump in and start learning with you and then six months from now, have a financial education that they hadn't had in maybe 50 years, that yeah, all and, of a sudden they can put themselves in that position of economic stability, as opposed to looking outwards and going, hey, is the economy stable? Right. And don't, and, and I will say this, I don't, I don't like financial advisors for the most part very much. I don't think they do a very good job. Um, for a brief period, I worked at a mutual fund. And I went to one of the conferences and they gave me 10 minutes to speak, to go through our strategy. We were one of the primary strategies and I, I sat through the rest. So, and they, there were, I want to say 10 funds there. They got 10 minutes. It was a two day conference. The rest of the conference was how to sell. And so if financial, financial advisors spent about I would say five to 10 X, the amount of time learning how to sell you, uh, then they do actually learn how to service you. And there's also so much cost buried into um, when you invest. Um, your financial advisor is taking a haircut. Then they put you in a fund that's taking a haircut. And then the fund has um, partners that they're putting different things in. 
who are taking a haircut. People don't realize that by the time they're done on an annualized basis, they're probably giving up uh, three to 5% of their return every year, somewhere in that range. On the low end, maybe maybe, maybe a little less than two. Um, and on the high end, it can be north of five, north of 5%. So the, co the cost of these people and the, who are no smarter than everybody listening here, trust me. Um, the, the, the amount of money over a 15 year period that you can save learning how to invest yourself. If you have the ability to, to uh, take the emotion out of it is astounding. Um, the comp, you know, I, I'm sure you've talked about compounded returns and what that, what that can turn into in a short period of time. But take your portfolio over the last 10 years and now look at your returns. Now add 3% to that and compound that every year for the next 10 years and see where you're at. And you are in a totally different place. Um, so, you know, me, whatever, learn to educate yourself in the financial markets. You can do just as good of a job buying a mutual fund as any financial advisor can. Um, just be aware of that. I love that. Yeah, and I think too that after studying something for six months, the emotional <laughs> charge out of paper trading, you know, it helps to learn to kind of minimize that emotional charge. It's really exciting at first and really depressing. It's really exciting. And then you're like, okay, we're just doing this. We're learning it and we're good. Eventually. I, I couldn't agree more. Just take the emotion out of it. Just be, play the long game, especially on the investing side, play the long game, play nice. the long game, but you can, but playing the long game doesn't mean you have to sit idle while the market goes from 5,000 48 or the S&P 500 or the TSX um, loses 60% of its value, all right? Not to point fingers at um, the TSX. The TSX, the, the, which is the Toronto, um, the Toronto S version of the S&P 500, um, it got so top heavy in Shopify. Uh, I'm sure you, you as a, a Canadian, I'm on, uh, I'm on a, I, re, I used to be on the Canadian business network a lot and I, we'd look at Shopify and it got completely overpriced. It became the whale of it. At a certain point, you have to understand where logic lies and, and be willing to, to rotate and move money. And a lot of financial advisors, no matter what country you're from, don't like doing that. They just want you in their cookie cutter where you're putting your certain amount in every month and they get their certain percent and, and whether the market goes up or goes down, they get paid. Mm -hmm. that, that is what they, and they don't get paid when you're in cash a lot of times, something to be aware of or loony in your case. <laughs> or whatever trade is turning it into, but we won't go that direction. So talk <laughs> to me about what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, Mark, I need you so bad. Other than maybe they're going through a little bit of chaos in their <laughs> finances. What, what, yeah, why so, do typically people come to you? Yeah, so you get, uh, you have right now kind of the, the FOMO and YOLO. All right, those two are fighting each other. All right, you've got the fear of missing out. You also have the, you only lose once. And when the market is at these high, at crazy highs, like it was a year and a half ago, um, you have um, YOLO. Oh, I should, I need to get in. Everyone else is getting in. You saw the same thing with crypto. 
but you also have this FOMO and that FOMO fear of missing out is both works both ways up and down. And so when the market is at its lows, people are so fearful that it could go lower that they're afraid to jump in. And when the market makes a rip roaring rally in the middle of a bear market, they have that fear of missing out like, oh, oh I, I don't want to miss my chance. And they invariably buy the high before the market just sells off again. Um, and that is, I think, the stumbling block and why having a plan uh, one, in a market like this where you're willing to buy. Uh, I've had a level where I was, I am willing to jump into this market with some, with, you know, my pinky toe. I've had, I've got a level where I'm gonna start actively buying. And then I've got a level where I'm jumping them in two feet. And I don't care what happens the next day with those, right? Have those levels. And on the same thing is on the upside. Nobody ever cried over taking a profit. Take your money. <laughs> Not even the ones that had to pay tax on it. <laughs> I hate when people bring up paying taxes. All right. Paying oh, taxes, it drives me nuts. I'm like, really? Seriously? Like, talk to a good is, tax accountant. It's a good thing. All right. That right. means you're making money. Now, you can, what I, you know, taxes and commissions are the two things. Fight to get as absolute low of a tax level as you possibly can and then stop thinking about it. Fight to get as low of, of a commission rate as you possibly can and then stop thinking about it and then just do what a logical person should do. <laughs> that is what I would say. I am so glad I got to push your buttons. I, I saw the top go and I saw the bottom. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah, happy now. <laughs> That's awesome. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? Uh, well, um, I am. I write a, a blog every day at OptionPit.com. That's my my home site uh, on VIX and volatility. I, it's a little more high end. But I also have some other writers that work for me. I've got a macro analysis named uh, analyst named Bill. Um, I've got a chartist named Leisha and um, a uh, uh, kind of policy guy named uh, Frank Gregory that 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 all write every day. There's a ton of free content that you can read about every single day. Um, I've also written a couple of books um, that uh, and which my first book can be one of your first books. My my lap, my most recent book, which is this guy. Um, it's all written mathematical formula. <laughs> there's no mathematical formula, but it is a lot of like charts and and stuff like that that you're not that until you know what you're doing, you shouldn't pick up the book. Um, but you know, go to go to optionpit.com and we can uh, you'll find actual content that that will help you. Uh, become a better trader and a, and a better investor uh, from day one. I love that. And I think too, it's important to, to understand that, hey, I'm in the starting. This is kind of information I really need to access to. Make sure we got the fundamentals and then the up and it works well. There was one uh, phrase that you used that I kept skipping over meant to ask you is the Cinderella story you had of the gal that, or of the lawyer, sorry, is now a uh, market maker. Maker, yeah. What is that? And if you and explain. So that was what I used to do on the floor. So, um, you know, I talk about how you have the the choice to execute an order. Market makers do not. So market makers get the bid ask spread. Uh, so, for instance, 
if you want to sell, if you want to buy that Apple option that I brought up, it costs $4.10. If you want to sell it, you only get $4.05. Market makers have to post that spread. They get the, they, and so they get to buy for 405 and sell at 410 and trade that way. Um, but in the payoff for that is they don't have a choice whether to take the other side of your trade. Um, that's what that, that trader is, is doing. He uses market making and then he does a lot of uh, mergers and acquisition M&A deals that are, cause he's, you know, he uses a lot of greed to it as advantage as a market maker, which is nice. Um, my, my favorite story is actually the, the, the woman who was absolutely just buried herself and become highly successful and is really a leader and a leader. And, you know, she'll actually help step in and pay it forward by teaching other traders, which is what the way I learned, right? Somebody had to teach me it was a trader. Somebody taught Mm -hmm. that trader. And now that I've got these people that I'm working with, when we have people coming in that are new, we've got, you know, couple hundred people that are or thousands of people that are willing to to step in and and guide someone along their way. Nice. I love it. Well, and I firmly believe that, well, one, everybody should become an entrepreneur and two, that they need to understand money and whether they yeah. choose to be an options trader or just understanding you know, taxes and how they work. It's a good start uh, because once you start making money, you have to start learning how to either make more of it, how to invest it, how to like, what are you going to do with that now that you have it? And sticking into a bank account is a terrible freaking idea and don't ever do that. So go talk. Yeah. I mean, managing, <laughs> I love being an entrepreneur. I love doing what I do. Awesome. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy being, you know, empowering my, the people that work for me to, uh, to help my business grow. Um, you know, I have, I have 14 full and full and full and part-time employees now um, that nice. across different segments. And, you know, I've got five, five, five or six traders, um, people supporting them. Uh, and then a couple of people working on marketing and on uh, operations. And then I'm, like I said, at the airplane, I'm just at the helm kind of <laughs> making sure I'm, I'm on top of everything. Um, and being a business owner is about understanding where are you investing and what employ what are, are the value of your of your employees and um how can you make your employees feel valued and feel fulfilled in what they're doing uh while completing a task love that so i get to ask you at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur you know i got kind of got sick of being fired and <laughs> That was what drove me what? to to start my own business. I'm I'm a I love I'm a good business owner now. Um, was not always the best employee, and I think that was partially because of my construct. I would see, uh, uh, you know, I was working for somebody that um, that was trying to do what we were doing, but just was not doing a very good job. I didn't like any any other approach, and tried to lay out ways to improve. And they said, okay, well, how about you hit the bricks? And that was it for me. Um, You're like, okay, done. I was <laughs> like, fine, you, you know what? You don't want to do it right. I will. And that, that was really what drove me. I love so it. I had a three month old at the time. My wife was really pleased with me, but it, uh, <laughs> it ended up working out all right. I love it. Mark, you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for peeps? Uh, thank you so much. And, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to me and 
check us out at hopchip.com. And like I said, educate yourself. Go read some books. Dig in. All right. Don't be the trade. Don't be the investor that reads the box of mac and cheese. All right. Be the investor that reads a couple of books. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you for having me. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.